and welcome to the Law Down Under podcast with Barrister Chris Patterson, where we'll give you insights into the law in New Zealand and Australia, its application and the law's future. Each episode features a new guest who will inspire your interest in the law and give you a greater understanding of the legal issues that help shape our justice system here down under. We thank you for tuning in and enjoy the podcast. I'm joined today with a very special guest who I'm deeply uh, honoured to have join me on the podcast, Dr. Mili Vayatohi, who is a leading legal scholar on Tongan constitutional law. Uh, Mili uh, has extensive career in law and governance and, the, and is the manager of the New Zealand Parliamentary Law and Practice Team. She's recently completed her PhD in law at the University of Otago, where she focused on the effects of the 2010 constitutional reform in Tonga. In December 22, Mili collaboratively published a groundbreaking research report on improving Pacifica legal education in Aotearoa. Hola, Tolofa. Malo e Lile. Hello, Mili. How are you? Malo e Chris. I'm good. And May I just say first that um, it's been a pleasure to be invited and to be part of your um, podcast um, today. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, look, thank you. I I was so delighted and excited, a little bit nervous actually, um, when when you agreed to come on the podcast. I mean, I read the report and I thought, wow, this is amazing. We, we need to talk about this. We, we need to get you on the podcast if you were prepared to come and, uh, and, and actually sit down and have a, have a good chat mm. about Pacifica, their experience within legal education and, and also beyond within the legal profession because this is a topic that um, uh, needs more discussion. Um, there's so much more to do um, and you know, Pacifica people have have uh, a real role in place within the profession, um, but we all need to work together to um, to, to make that place um, uh, fully inclusive for them. So thank you for coming on board. What I thought perhaps we could talk about is we could talk about the report um, and you know what you know what was the the instigation or you know what led to it. Um, what was the process that was followed, and then maybe we could talk about um, the findings and the recommendations. Um, I, I think that's probably the right approach. I mean, are you comfortable if, if that's how we do this? Well, sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. So, well, but, I mean, before we do, well, can you you know t- tell us a bit about your background? I mean, you're um, you're, you're you're Tongan. You've you're 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 in, in Wellington at Victoria University. Um, what, what was your journey? What was your pathway? Yeah, so thank you. Um, uh, my journey actually started in, in Tonga, um, where I was born and raised. Then I went um, to the University of the South Pacific and did my undergraduate in law. Now that's in uh, Tonga Tapu uh, in um, Tonga, uh, the, main, uh, in the main island. Uh, no, that's in Fiji and Vanuatu. So oh, so, okay. So do they not have, they don't have a campus in Tonga? So you had to, yeah. But when I um, did my degree, I went um, to the law school uh, that was, um, yeah, that's in Fiji. And then we had to 
um, finish off in Manawatu at the main law school campus there. Fantastic. And it was was law. Did you have um, um, family members that had uh, a connection with the the legal profession um, uh, at all? I had uh, uh, one of my grand uncles um, was one of the the lawyers back in the days. Um, so I, I, you know, growing up hearing stories about him kind of like inspired me um, to follow in his. Uh, footsteps. So that's how I was um, kind of like exposed to um, to law, so to speak. Um, yeah, so that was my main um, my main inspiration um, into getting into law and and just seeing um, you know things such as making a difference for for the family um, and also for uh, the community to help. Um, it, and it just seems like law um, was a natural, natural thing, um, you know, to progress towards to in terms of um, a career. So, um, so after I finished high school, I received scholarships and um, decided to take up the one that went to Fiji because I thought, you know, like I'll be coming back to Tonga and work there. So why not? Um, go to a law school which would focus on you know the legal systems in the Pacific and that's what I did um, then I came back and took up a job as a legal officer with the Ministry of Justice in Tonga that was my first um, role and then um, as a newly minted graduate Yes, yeah. yes. There was immediately after my um, professional um, studies, got my um, my diploma, and then I went back and and worked for the Ministry of Justice. Um, yeah, so worked there, and then I was seconded to the Crown Law Department and was doing some litigation work. Then I um, took up further studies and went to London um, and did my postgrad there um, in international public law. Yep. And then came back home to Tonga and uh, worked for a bit in Crown Law and then finished up with um, Ministry of Justice, Public Service Commission, and then... Parliament, the Legislative Assembly, the Office of the Clerk. Then I took up a teaching role at the um, uh, University of South Pacific Law School in Vanuatu. Um, I just spent three years there. Then I went back to Tonga, back to the Ministry of Justice as um, Chief Executive. And um, that was right before I took up um, further studies here. Um, at Otago University, so that's right. how I ended up in yeah New Zealand. Okay, um, well, that, look, that that's a a really wide breadth of experience um, uh, across the, the the public law sector, both uh, in Tonga, the, the UK, and now you're back here in New Zealand. Um, now another area. Sorry, I, I, we will get on to the report, but just another area that I picked up on is that is that, that you're an expert in in um, the constitutional monarchy in Tonga. You know, it's something that you've researched and you've written papers on, uh, yeah. and and how that works. 
Uh, and for for listeners, they some listeners may not know that 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 Tonga has a, a royal family, and you know, like um, I guess England and Wales, mm-hmm. it is a constitutional monarchy um, and, and operates there. Uh, it does have that division between um, uh, state and um, uh, and the courts. So there's a chief justice in Tonga. There's usually um, what I've found appointed by you know either as a, an Australian or a or, or a Kiwi. Uh, mm. I think you know uh, the current chief justice is from Queensland. If I've got that right, yeah. Um, but that seems to work okay. Is that your your perception? Well, um, it's interesting that you're saying that, Chris, because um, that's an area that I want to get into in terms of research, the judicial Mm. diversity, not just in Tonga, but also um, in other parts of the Pacific, which Mm. you will find that that's uh, a common um, arrangement where um, you have experts, um, judges, recruited for um, High Court and Supreme Court and even Court of Appeal. Uh, positions and it's simply because um of the sizes of these islands you see it's like um the perception of the public is really really important and um to get locals um to these positions usually like um you know it's very difficult for them and also for the public so in terms of the intact protecting the integrity of, of justice um, they found it to be more appropriate to get, um, you know, judges from abroad. But I think there's a, a growing um, trend uh, now to kind of like groom our own uh, homegrown uh, judges to preside. So, um, but that's something that I'm interested in looking into um, to yeah. see the diversity um, of the judiciary. Yeah, look, look, that that's a, a fascinating. I think we might need to get you back on the podcast <laughs> when you've uh, completed your research because that that that's a whole episode in its own. Um, <laughs> judicial diversity, yeah. and, and you know, and 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 you know, the, the possibly, you know, I don't want to put a negative on it, but the lack of, and you know, what can be done to improve judicial mm-hmm. diversity um, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get back to um, the report. Um, what was the impetus, or what 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 kicked it off? What made um, you and your collaborators, you know, who were involved in it, um, uh, say, "Hey, this is something that we should we should research." Yeah. Well, I think in 2021, that's when the Michael and Suzanne Warren Foundation actually awarded um, the grant to Victoria University. Um, under the leadership of Luoman Wao Deng-Laban, who is the assistant vice chancellor for Pacifica um, at the university. And and I think in terms of impetus, it it actually emanated out of um, a discussion between her, Luoman Wao, and the then um, dean of law, Professor Mark Hickford, um, and initially, the idea of the project came out of an interest to evaluate um, the interventions to support Pacifica achievements in, in law across New Zealand. And so out of that interest was the need to um, explore the issues uh, such as, you know, where do Pacifica sit 
with equity in, in Aotearoa law schools and the law profession. And, um, you know, where do Pacifica sit in terms of, um, say, belonging and, and where do they sit in terms of power and authority? So that's how the, the idea about the project, um, you know, came about. And it was um, that it has a long title to it. It was entitled The Equity, Belonging and Authority. How can law, policy and practice support Pacifica in Aotearoa? So in short, the project was called Improving Pacifica Legal Education Project, but that was the long, long title um, for it. So this um, project came about because I think at the time there was a desire to understand um, insights and lessons that can be learned from the experiences of our Pacifica people and how um, we can use these experiences to improve on what the law schools and the profession um, are currently doing in support of, you know, building a legal profession that is much more inclusive and of course reflective of the society that it it serves. Something that you're you're interested in yeah, you're, you're right um I do have an interest in, in this I mean I I, I I read your report um uh and I just thought this just fits in with one of my research interests which is socioeconomic diversity within the legal profession um an article that I found um, and look for the listeners I'll provide the links to it um, as part of the podcast notes but an article that I found to be um, really eye-opening. Um, certainly got me thinking a lot, was an article that Angela Melville, when she was uh, at Flinders Law School uh, uh, about 12 years ago, wrote um, called Barriers uh, to Entry into Law School, which, um, an examination of socioeconomic and Indigenous disadvantage. And when I uh, both read your report and that article, the parallels just sat right, right with each other, that what she was finding in terms of um, Australian Indigenous people, you know, Aboriginal law students and their experiences um, seem to to almost parallel and line up with with what your and 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 your collaborators found when um, when talking with the participants, the Pacifica participants, about their experiences. So, it, you know, it, it, it whilst both countries uh, are going to have their own unique. Um, issues. It does seem to be that um, you know there is a, this marginalised group that is very much along racial grounds. Um, mm. That is that is that is not being um, uh, fairly treated um, uh, in law school, um, and are being marginalised unfairly in an, in an inequitable uh, manner. And um, so, uh, I mean, for me. I read it and went, well, well, this just reinforces, you know, what the, what your report is saying that 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 there are these barriers that exist, and and they are creating inequity, you know, inequities. Um, so maybe what we could do is now just actually talk about your findings um, and and dive into some of them, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that that that's really where the, you know, I mean, look, we're we're lawyers. You know, um, uh, evidence is our stock and trade. Mm-hmm. And 
what we now what what your report is is it's created a, a foundational document based on the research that you've done that now provides um, a, a base upon which people can say these are real barriers. They you know no one's making them up. They actually exist. They're there. This is the, the this is the experience that Pacifica um, people have within um, the the profession um, in academia and law, and and they are creating barriers. So. So the first one is just um, in terms of Pacifica identity. Um, in your report, you say that Pacific identity is integral in how Pacifica people interpret the world and how they're treated, and standing at the heart of that is the sense of self and values which are rooted on uh, in family, um, uh, relational obligations, and reciprocity. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about, about that finding? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, that's, that, that was one of the, the moving um, things. And the list that we actually gave out in, in the report is, is, you know, it's not all of it. But what we were hoping to do with it was, um, you know, we hoped that it would provide um, an overview of the significant problems and barriers um, which have served to keep legal education and profession profession um, beyond the reach of many Pacifica people. And so we identified um, identity because the Pacifica identity filters through all aspects um, of themselves, particularly in at the relational um, level. Um, and as Pacifica, our identity actually influences how and, and what we actually practice. And, um, you know, for example, Pacifica students' decisions to study law are generally um, closely linked to, you know, the law being a vehicle for change, both mm -hmm. in the long term to help Pacifica communities and directly to being in a better financial position to support um, their families. So for us, um, identity uh, was, a, was a real kicker because you know, sometimes the participants um, felt that they had to actually relinquish um, or give up who they are in order to succeed in law. But I don't think that it should be like that. Um, and we identified that as, as one of the... Were, were you finding that, uh, that, that some of the participants were reporting back to say that they felt pressure to assimilate to essentially... You know, a, a, a white, you know, Eurocentric um, uh, cultural um, culture, uh, yeah. and and give up um, part of their own cultural identity just to have a sense of being able to fit in. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Chris. I mean, I think one of the things that really stood out was they saw the law schools and the law environment as a place of conformity like mm. where they have to conform and the closer they are to, um, you know, assimilating, um, you know, their Akeha counterparts, the more successful they, and I think that was the perception from them. But yeah. um, it was just disheartening to hear um, the stories coming through. And interestingly, that's, it wasn't just, stories that we heard from, um, you know, people from uh, who went to Auckland Uni 
or who went to, um, you know, Otago. I mean, like all throughout Aotearoa, these are the, um, you know, uh, there was a consistent themes, um, you know, um, around identity, uh, the importance of it, and the fact that the law school, um, it's, you know, just forcing them to give up some some aspect of that, and that creates a, a big problem for them, especially around identity, because they yeah. feel like when it comes to the profession, they don't feel like they are bringing their whole selves um, into the profession. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I probably should have mentioned just to put this into also into perspective. Um, you, your report was also found that you know Pacifica makes up. Uh, just over eight percent of Aotearoa's um, population. Okay, so it's a significant group within, uh, you know, our country, our society. Okay, but you know, only around seven percent of uh, law graduates um, are Pacifica, and even less in the profession, three percent. So there's this real imbalance um, that is taking place where the you know. The, the graduates, and even more so amplified within the profession, um, uh, doesn't accurately reflect or doesn't fairly reflect the makeup of our society. So we, we've got a profession that doesn't reflect or look like the people that it's there to serve. Um, and, and, and that's got to be a concern um, uh, to say, well, why, why is that? What, what, what is getting in the way of Pacifica people being able to um, uh, get into law school, succeed at law school, you know, get graduate jobs within the legal profession and remain in the profession and succeed. Mm. Yeah. So one of the um, so that then leads into one of the second finding that that you, you and your team found, and that's around educational preparedness. Um, in, in your report, you make the statement that the lack of educational preparedness for Pacifica law schools is deep-rooted and it's a significant barrier increasing the number of Pacifica lawyers in Aotearoa. Tanaloa revealed that many Pacifica face difficult transitions from secondary school to law school and Pacifica students at university don't start from the same position as everyone else. Mm-hmm. So um, can, can, we, can we unpack that a little bit to say um, what, I, what I took from your report is looking actually at the you know, well before uh, uh, enrolling at law school or even making a decision to go to law school, for Pacifica people, there's a barrier that's already there within our, our current educational system. Um, you know, what, what what is that barrier? You know, what do you think is uh, you know how how how, how does it exist? Mm, yeah, you know, you know, just come to think of about this issue. Um, um, you know, just make me think about if it's true that success at law school um, for Pacifica students depends in some degree on university education, then um, it is also true that um, a university education is based upon primary and uh, secondary schooling. Um, And you see, the majority of uh, students that are coming through to law school um, as Pacifica, who identified as Pacifica, 
majority of them come from, um, you know, from low decile, just to be frank, um, school where the majority of the Pacifica population experience science. And what we actually mm. found in terms, which was really interesting, was like some of the more successful Pacifica um, lawyers, um, their parents actually have to send them out of their school zone. Like they would live in a different zone and send their kids to uh, um, to, an, to a different area um, where population are more affluent, you know? But doesn't that just lead to further isolation um, for, you know, Pacifica you know, um, school students, I'll just call them school students, you know, yeah. and you can, you could say secondary school, but I, th- I think it actually goes back earlier in, in the educational pathway. But doesn't that just lead to further isolation if these students are being removed from, you know, their communities and their, and, and their family mm. to have to go on um, uh, study um, in a, in a more, in a, in a different cultural setting? Mm. Yeah. But then some of them find that, those experiences kind of like prepared them for for the experiences that come with law school. So some of them um, were able to make it successfully in those schools. So because they were exposed to that kind of culture early on, um, they were better, say, prepared, um, so to speak, when they come to law school. So yeah. they get like a better um, kind of um, success than um, than those that actually came straight from um, high schools in their. Or, or, or perhaps we could frame it this way to say that those students who um, have had their secondary education and 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 more affluent schools mm. um, uh, find the transition into law school less challenging. Yes. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about um, lower decile schools, we're, we're really talking about socioeconomics here, aren't we? That we're we're talking about schools that operate in communities where the um, income or the resort, the, the the financial resources that are available to the families that that school um, is is uh, you know services um, is less than in um, higher decile schools. Um, and this is before we even get into the whole topic of private schools. Mm. That's what we're talking about, aren't we? Absolutely. And the, these yeah. are not my my words. These actually came um, from the participants, and and you know, like when they were telling their stories, these are the kind of uh, terminology that they were using: low decile, um, you know. So school, so. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's very difficult to, you know, when we were listening to all these um, sharings, it was very difficult to um, to listen to, to these stories because it was just um, sad. Yeah, well, well, it, well, it would be. It would be, you know, quite desponding to listen to the challenges that exist. And these are challenges within the Pacifica group that other groups don't have. I mean, what we're really talking about is lack of privilege, if we really want to call a spade a spade, and that is that 
Pākehā students, secondary students at private schools, um, uh, have a set of privileges that um, Pacifica students um, at state schools simply don't have. Um, now, now this will be a shock for some listeners who firmly believe that education and uh, success within the legal profession is is all done on merit, that there's a, this meritocracy that exists. Mm. But that is a total myth, okay? Um, and these people need to take reality checks and they need to go and actually ask themselves a question. If I was, if I hadn't been born um, Pākehā a, a, into a wealthy family that could afford to spend... 26,000 taxpay dollars every year to send me to an elite school. And, and, I, and I didn't have, um, you know, my family and community didn't have the connections that they have with the legal profession. Would I be here today um, as a partner of a top law firm, as a king's counsel, as a judge, et cetera? Would I, would I have really got there if, if, if I hadn't have been born into that scenario and that environment, bearing in mind everything I've mentioned are unearned privileges and advantages. Because no, no one earns, I mean, you don't work hard um, and go, I've worked really hard now, I've been born into this wealthy family. That's not how it works. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is an unearned privilege that, that exists. And um, when we're talking low socio, we're talking low decile, we're talking about families that just don't have a lot of resources. And when they don't have those resources, the experience that their children have through education is quite different to children who do have the resources because you know wealthier families can afford to deliver or have their children receive better you know, um, education. Um, they they have a safety net behind them. So, like at university, you're not having to hold down a job, um, service job, waiting tables because your family are funding everything and um, that's all covered. Uh, and then, you know, when your parents all graduated with law degrees and and your grandparents did as well, and they all went off and succeeded, you 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 actually have in your own mind that failure is just not a an issue. So. There, there is quite a different experience for, for someone from a lower socioeconomic background through education than from someone from a more resourced one. And I, and I think a lot of what I got from your report, and I'm just picking up on some concepts that sociologists pick up on, is this concept of cultural capital and social capital. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of your report, and sorry, I'm not trying to tell you because you wrote the report, but I'm interested in getting the discussion going, is cultural capital, and that is you've got this clash when you've got a Pacifica culture pushing up against a Pākehā culture, and there isn't a, uh, there isn't this um, this this neat fit. Like they they don't co coexist well. And one area, for example, that in your report identifies is that for Pacifica people, they are conflicted with their other priorities and their other demands. Their, their family, they've got duties to their family, and their families are are, are a bit wider than Pakiha, you know, nuclear family and t- towards expectations. They've got their religious obligations because um, for uh, Pacifica people, church is very important, 
and you've got to actually invest time and energy into that. And then they've got their wider community obligations. And for, for a lot of Pākehā students at university, they don't have the, those conflicts to have to deal with. They can just focus on their studies and, and, and extracurriculum activities of having a good time, playing sport or whatever that may be. So it was that that was one of the areas that you found through your discussions with uh, Pacifica uh, students. Was that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there you have unpacked a lot. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't want to open it all up too much, but there's a lot there. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> a, definitely a lot in there. But I think it was important. Uh, one of the 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 main uh, you know, intended outcomes of, of the report was to actually shed some lights um, on those issues, you know, because um, there's no way um, our non-Pacifica um, people would understand, you know, uh, what it's like to be a Pacifica here in Aotearoa. And, and the report was, was actually intended to explain, uh, not only in terms of uh, statistics and data, but also support it with, you know, with the Taranoa findings. Mm. And then um, I think it's important as well um, that we understand that law has a, co- a social context. Um, and, you know, there's, there's an important dimension to law that it's about human dignity. And if you're taking that out of the equation, then what just what is justice? You know. So that was something that constantly we constantly have to remind ourselves in terms of um, you know questioning the the issues that we were um, you know confronted with because it's very easy for us to kind of like switch back to the um the uh, the mentality of saying okay you need to prioritize you need to but then you know these these people these are their realities these are their lived experience this is who they are and i think you know in in law school and in the profession they should be um in the business of welcoming different um, diverse perceptions, worldviews, because you know that's the only way we can actually raise our bar on on, on protecting human dignity. And- oh, look, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, what I I noted in your report, one of the Tanana participants um, described their experience in law school as feeling like a fish out of water, and yeah. and I and I and I suspect they're they're probably downplaying. What that actually is, um, because when you when you when you go through and read your report, there's a there's a theme in here of a real sense that these you know Pacifica students don't feel that they fit in in law school. Like it's 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 you you talk about welcoming and, and that aspect of it. it. You just got the sense that it's much deeper than that. That there is a culture that exists within our universities, our law schools, mm. that um, is set up to um, advance the interests of, uh, of one group, and that's a, you know, a Pākehā group, without being willing 
to um, welcome, accept, and to evolve and change, that we are a multicultural society mm. and that all members um, uh, need, to be, need to have a place in there and feel that they, are, um, that, that they are entitled to be there, that they're, they're not a fish out of water using, using this description in your report. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what, moving on, because, I mean, that, that was uh, the finding this lack of belonging. You know, another finding that you had is the teaching and learning, um, and that is um, that the participants reported that there was a sort of a current pedagogical learning environment setting within law schools that didn't support them to succeed, and sometimes even oppressed Pacifica. Um, that, and, and, and maybe, you know, there's, there's this weaving theme through it, and that is there's this fixed way in which law school education is delivered, and, and you have to change to fit that. It's not going to change to fit, you know, you know, your, you know, your culture. Is that what you were picking up from what people were reporting to you? Well, Chris, as you may know, um, you know, the, 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 the legal um, fraternity, um, it's a very conservative, you know, sphere, and it's very difficult for them to change. Um, and we understand that, we get that. But I think um, it was important, you know, just to hold the pen and generate knowledge around, um, you know, the, the rica and the resilience required of our Pacifica people to survive law school um, as mm. well as the cultural identity that underpins this, um, these things. So definitely, yeah. And, and, there's, and there is quite a, uh, a, a difference between surviving law school and succeeding in law school as well. And, and, and this is part of the problem. The, the cultural issue is, is that you know, Pacifica culture is about being communal um, you know, where people, you know, you know, prioritize, you know, the collective over the individual. But, you know, but our, you know, European legal culture, because we've inherited uh, a large part of it from um, from the United Kingdom, it's, you know, it's still there, is, is very much that westernized um, focus on the individual. Um, and, and, that, and that creates a, a potential clash. But I'm really interested when you say it's difficult to change that culture. Is one of the difficulties, do you think, that those that are in control, that, that, that are in power of the culture, it's difficult for them to relinquish the power and, and give a bit up and actually uh, uh, you know, uh, allow a change so that a marginalised group can have, you know, be, be less marginalised and have a bit more... Um, uh, input to be more equitable. Uh, that that's what, what what I'm suggesting. Do you think that that's where part of the difficulty is? Is that there are those within law school and the legal profession who don't want to let others in, and and, and they've got an interest in keeping these barriers there. Yeah, the the, the gatekeepers. Yes, the gatekeepers. Mm. And, and that's the difficulty for them because what they're actually being asked to do is to actually 
um, be equitable. And, and if, if we want to have a profession that is inclusive, that is actually inclusive and equitable, you're going to have to do that. They can't just talk about it and say, oh, we, you know, we want to be diverse and, you know, we've, we've, we've appointed all these people. But a large part of it's just talk. Um, what we actually need to see is action. Um, and, and that needs to be measured somehow. Do you, do you think that that's something that should be done? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think if I'm to describe um, the sort of approach that we used in terms of um, telling the stories is, and, and what we were asking um, in terms of recommendations, just to be flexible and, mm. to be, and, and you know, like, be flexible and creative because we feel that the, those are the two main things that would allow um, others to come through. You know, if we will be um, welcoming in terms of um, the environment, but also in terms of the content. And that's why when we were talking about recommendation, we suggested some changes to not only to the pedagogy, but also to the curriculum, like what yeah. they are doing with the tikanga for Māori, for instance, because it's, it's, it's not just for the benefits of Pacifica law students, it's also for the benefits of other non-Pacifica students to understand the society, the issues that the Aotearoa society um, you know, have to grapple with. Well, it's it's a benefit for the whole profession and, and our wider society at large because you, you you need to have diverse. Look, I mean, without getting into to, to sort of uh, more of a sort of evolutionary aspect of it, is that the success of the human species has been based on diversity, and you you can't just have one approach and and, and everyone else is excluded from it. it by having a diverse profession that is better reflective of our society, which is diverse, then everyone benefits. Like no one benefits benefits from racism or bullying or harassment. There, it's a negative equation um, situation. Um, and your report does touch on some terrible experiences that Pacifica have had. Um, both um, not just students, but also acad academics as well, um, in terms of, of racism and, and bullying and harassment. And, you know, but for that alone, um, there, there really needs to be uh, a, a, a practical response that addresses these issues because everyone loses from it. There are, there are no winners. Um, Absolutely. Um, it just—it was interesting when I was reading your report as well about the you, you have pulled upon the experience of some academics. Um, there's a there's a real wealth of uh, of research overseas on a concept what they call academic inbreeding. Um, you, you have you have you come across some of no. this this research? No. So so the the, the the basic premise of the research is that academics get promoted. Um, more, or they're more likely to be promoted, and they and they have an unfair um, advantage 
if they are from, if their academic pathway was from the same law, you know, law, we use law schools, law schools as 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 those that are that are appointing them, you know, that um, there is this real um, advantage that if um, the person who's appointing you did their PhD at Cambridge and you did your PhD at Cambridge, you're far more likely to be appointed um, uh, to, uh, to to that academic position than if your your PhD was um, at, for example, I'll just say an Indian law school. Um, I'm not trying to pick out the Indian community. I'm just using it as an example. And, and there, there, there's a there's a a real wealth of research that points to that. And uh, I, I, I wonder whether or not Pacifica academics, because, I mean, your background is, uh, you know, University of South Pacific, whether that's there. I may, maybe that's a, a, a whole new research topic for someone else to pick up on. <laughs> uh, and and yeah. I know that in other disciplines there's been some research done around that, um, mm. especially the experiences of, Pacific academics, say for example, in you know, in health or you know, other in education. So I don't think we have really, and I don't think that we really um, research that aspect uh, mm-hmm. enough. But I think, like you said, it would be you know a topic on its own yeah. uh, to research because, because you know, know look. <laughs> With, With your, your report, report I mean, the report doesn't expressly deal with the issue of intersectionality. And when I say that for the listeners, what I mean is is, is taking the different um, uh, areas of inequality. Um, so, so rather, but for most people, when they think of equality and diversity, okay, well, this is just my perception of what most people think. Is that they 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 do it on on two very clear lines. It's it's gender and and race. Okay, but your report does point to that. You know, Pacifica um, uh, do have um, a, a lot of disadvantages that place them um, with that intersection um, of other areas of disadvantage, socioeconomic. Um, it, that that would be something I'd love to see someone um, uh, out there who would actually start looking at the intersectionality of the different areas of inequality. But that's a huge topic. Um, I mean, the overseas research on that um, is uh, is quite in depth. Um, it's it's it, 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 it's very difficult to find golden threads that run through it because it's so difficult. For sociologists to be able to, I, I guess, quantify and measure um, um, how this affects. I mean, we know it affects Pacifica more disproportionately because um, they are, are overrepresented at the lower socioeconomic groups. So we know that there is this issue of of race, but it also at the same time there's a socioeconomic issue interlaying into that as well. I mean, is is that something that you you found through your research? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, should we um we talk about some of the recommendations? And and you've broken the recommendations up um in part into into two parts. One of them is is law school and and, uni- and university, and the other one's the the legal profession. So maybe we'll just start off with law school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there were six recommendations um, that, that the report suggested, and, and, and the first one was to develop a plan to ensure long-term educational equality for Pacifica students by enhancing Pacifica you know, retention, progression, and completion to their programs. Uh, um, so can you tell us a bit more about that recommendation? Yeah. So there were three um, three parts in terms mm. of uh, recommendations that we um, put across, and the ones that we uh, the six recommendations that we put forward to universities and law schools were um, mainly about how they can support Pacifica students to succeed in law, mm. um, and so we spoke about setting aside. A number of discretionary places for Pacific Law students and putting in place, you know, um, appropriate uh, support services, including a pre-law programs for our Pacific learners. But for us, it was important that the support services and the initiatives are not ad hoc um, and beast meals. So that's why we we um, thought that uh, the the first thing that law school should be looking into is to develop, uh, you know, like a strategic plan, um, and and that shouldn't yeah. be a responsibility of of one person. It should be a faculty, um, you know, um, responsibility where everyone um, work together. Most because if we um, just get a few group of people working together to do this, then um, it, it wouldn't be as successful as we wanted it to be. So that's why we um, suggested and recommended that law schools develop, a, a, you know, like a, a plan, strategic plan and an action plan so that um, they can then measure and monitor, um, you know, the progress made and whether they are able to, you know, achieve the intended outcomes of, of those plans. Yeah. And look, I think you're right. I mean, it's all very well having a plan that's aspirational. I mean, it's a starting point, but, yeah. but there actually needs to be a, a measurement component and a reporting component so that it, it isn't just a, a talk fest and saying, yeah, we've got a plan, we can tick that box. But there, but it can be measured and reported on. Um, and, and that's important because it, it gives um, confidence that a law school is actually being proactive towards uh, encouraging diversity, um, equality and inclusion. Um, yeah, I... It, look, it'd be great to see something like that, and not just one law school to pick it up, but, but all of them. And, we, and even if they all work together, I mean, look, New Zealand's you know, population's not that big. You know, I mean, the, the number of law schools that we've got and students that are there, it could be something that they could coordinate and, and, and work on. Um, the um, the pre-law program's a great initiative or recommendation. I just think that that's... Um, Essential. I mean, I, I love a good metaphor, and I, I'll share with you, Amelia. Um, so I, I, I've got an interest in basketball. People find it hard to believe, you know, five foot seven, but that I'd have an interest in basketball. But I, but I do. Uh, you know, it's one of these great sports that there's there's a place for everyone, even if you're only five foot seven. But the the, the 
the metaphor that I like to use about um, disadvantage is is anyone would think it's unfair that one group gets to shoot, you know, at the basket from the free throw line, and then these other groups, um, uh, marginalised groups, have to go to the halfway mark and try and shoot baskets as well. I mean, we'd all think that that was unfair, mm-hmm. but that's actually what 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 happens and if you don't have plans to overcome these barriers then you are effectively saying to pacifica will you stand at the halfway line and try and shoot baskets and um and this other group can sit, can stand at the free throw line and 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 shoot a lot closer it's just unfair um and mm-hmm. and there needs to be a way of 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 rectifying that so I, I, I think that recommendation's fantastic. Um, the 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 sort of the um, the, the pro the law school programs and their practices that they have as well probably recommendations also that that be looked at to diversify that to to be able to better welcome um, our Pacifica people's views and values. That was that was another recommendation as well. Can you tell us? about that well um that was actually uh, stems from the understand you know underlying um principles under you know cultural um differences between uh, pacifica and um, you know Pakeha culture where mm-hmm. pacifica is more focusing on the communal um collective um learning and there was, you know, in law school, there's a a, um, a huge emphasis on, you know, individual capacity, individual success. Um, mm-hmm. But so we just thought, you know, that it would be um, it would be beneficial for everyone if, um, you know, if, if law courses could incorporate into assessment things such as, um, you know, group work um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing to reflect that aspect of um, the Pacifica culture. Besides, when, you know, law students, when they finish law um, schools, you know, in the profession, it's it's all about teamwork, you know, and, and I, I just saw um, a disconnections there between um, principle and reality um, in terms of um, what we are teaching, what we are trying to um, impart to to students, which is certainly not going to work in, in reality when they get into um, the workforce. So that's why um, we thought um, not only if, say, uh, they'll have some, you know, thematic areas in, in the mainstream courses to make reference to, you know, some Pacifica um, case laws or, you know, how um, issues relating to, to Pacifica people, if it's social issues or socioeconomic issues, but something that, um, you know, that, that incorporates some Pacifica elements into it. Because for me, it does actually not only um, diversify um, the curriculum, but it also makes it more welcoming um, 
you know, for 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 other minority groups, including the Pacifica, if um, uh, curriculum and um, pedagogy could be open up um, to you know to that kind of thing. But that's that's where it actually came from. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and and it probably makes it more relevant for Pacifica law students uh, that there is. If there was more of a focus on uh, collaboration and 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 community rather than on that you know individual um, uh, as a as an individual. Now, one of the um, other recommendations that was made is is that the law schools also identify and respond to discrimination that Pacifica law students experience, and that they actually take active steps to support Pacifica uh, law academics and professional staff and. Does does that interrelate into the cultural aspect that Pacifica people tend to be more silent? They won't speak up um, uh, when they've had uh, you know, a negative experience, and of course, discrimination is very negative. Um, whereas, you know, Pakeha culture uh, is 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 more about the individual and the individual uh, asserting their their rights and speaking up about it. Is that part of uh, you know um, a need to um, create a, a a plan um, to be able to respond to discrimination um, uh, as one um, area that ne- that needs to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. That's that's something that needs to be um, addressed um, at all front um, because mm-hmm. of that culture of silence that Pacifica uh, people have, and usually what we what we saw was. Even when there's um, means for for complaints, they usually like don't feel safe because there's no um, safe space for them to express those complaints, and so they internalize. They tend to internalize um, these problems. Sometimes they even um, went into the you know to the extent of blaming themselves for for things that you know. It's certainly not their fault. They they internalize these these problems and make it their problem. Which which is quite a different experience from a Pakeha culture, where um, you know not only the student uh, is more likely to advocate their own rights, but their family are also you know the ones that will turn up. I mean, if you take it secondary school, I mean, if the uh, if their child hasn't received the you know grades. That the family believe that they should, um, they'll all turn up on mass and and demand some some form of um, uh, rest, restitution. Um, uh, whereas Pacifica culture is not like that. That's that's not um, the way that Pacifica people approach um, conflict. Is, uh, have I articulated that fairly? Do you think? For for, yeah. for for dispute resolution in the Pacific, it's all about consensus. It's all mm-hmm. about reconciliation. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about assertiveness or any of that sort of thing. But you see, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we also talk about in the report is learning to walk in in two different worlds. You know, yes, yeah, because yeah. because it's it's um, it comes with being exposed to that like and then they have so they have to learn to walk in um 
a white man's world and also um, retain who they are when they go back home because they can't actually use the things that they pick up from law school back at home because that would be a big problem. And they can't yeah. really like do what they picked up from being born into a Pacifica family. Um, you see, like most of um, the, the Pacifica uh, participants in, in the research, they are first in the family to get into any tertiary education. And, and, and I think one of the realities that um, is not often acknowledged is the fact that and you know, like some of these kids in, in law school, they have they are forced to actually work two jobs while doing full time studies at the same time, and I think that doesn't help with you know grades and stuff. And that's why we said, I mean, sometimes the ability of um, you know the students, specific students, are not actually um, reflected well in grades because of you know, these realities that they have to actually go through because they have to work to help their families, to feed their families. And, and a lot of the families, they rely on them. And um, and we also found that during the COVID lockdown, you know, a lot of parents were laid off at work. And so huge responsibilities were, um, you know, um, put on a bond students to work to to help them during this this period but those are some of the insights that we took away from you know yeah but the, the, these are all issues that um, many pacifica people have to f- confront you know as a reality it's their reality on a day-to-day basis that um, um, uh, privileged groups don't have they don't have to worry about these things um, I mean, even if, um, you know, someone said from a Pākehā family, oh, well, you know, we, um, you know, we, we made our daughter or son get a student loan. But they're ignoring the reality that, well, if the loan wasn't repaid, the, the families will just pick it up and sort it out. And, and that's not necessarily available for Pacifica people. Um, you know, they're not for some Pacifica people. They're not only working their way through law school, literally, you know, having to hold down jobs, but they're financially supporting their families as well. So it's it's almost like this concept, uh, which is referred to as reverse inheritance, where you you can't rely on your parents or your grandparents to pick up the tab, and and, and you've got the safety net there. And at some stage, you're going to inherit a lot of money. It's it's actually in the reverse. You've got parents and grandparents who aren't working and, and and they're impoverished and they're looking to you to contribute to um to to the family's resources um, while at the same time having to study. So Pacifica students aren't going to law school on a level playing field. And and this is where this whole concept that law grades are reflective of a meritocracy within uh, academia is just a is just a nonsense. Um, uh, but uh, unfortunately, there are those that have a vested interest to say that law grades um, are reflective of um, uh, capability and merit. Um, 
They're not because they don't reflect the reality of the students that actually had to earn them in the first place. Anyway, sorry, I'm <laughs> jumping in there. Well, let's talk about um, sort of the last part for the for the law schools, but I think it segues into the legal profession, and that is actually creating you know platforms and mechanisms that will connect you know each of the the various elements together: the the law schools, the legal profession, you know the the communities themselves, to talk about you know issues of law and justice together. And is, 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 was it your sense from your research that um, there aren't the channels for discussion and that is holding Pacifica people back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we definitely saw that Pacifica people felt isolated. Um, there's a distrust um, in the system, um, definitely. Um, some felt that, you know, like remarks such as, you know, like law schools is elitist, you know, like it comes from a space, from that, you know, place of not trusting, um, you know, the system. But law, but law schools are elitist. <laughs> that, I mean, they are. They're, they're not just in New Zealand. I mean, there's significant uh, academic writing uh, on the fact that law schools Mm. Um, uh, are elitist. They uh, advance the interests of the elites, mm. um, and 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 that's how 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 they're set up. I mean, one of the a book that I've just started reading recently um, is um, a book called Pedigree by Lauren uh, Riviera. Um, uh, subtitle: How Elite Students Get Elite Jobs. Mm. Um, you, you know, the, the first few pages of that, you just realise that law school um, is 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 set up for uh, you know for the children of the elite to be able to progress their way through into into the top jobs. It's it's a systemic system. Or it's a system that's been set up for for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you can imagine, it's, it's going to be very difficult because once it is systemic. It's very difficult to to actually penetrate um, a system that has been, um, you know, started in that way. But oh. um, yeah, but but what we felt was there's a distrust in in, mm-hmm. in the community in the Pacific uh, community of um, the laws of the system, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we thought that at the same time, um, the community can benefit from understanding how law school operates, how the profession actually works. And so that's why we thought it's important for us um, to use the report as a platform um, where those on the other end would be able to see that this is the perspective on law school and the profession from the Pacifica people. Mm. So um, some connections um, between those, uh, you know, key stakeholders would be um, important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's having that line of um, uh, communication. Mm. Um, I've had uh, Professor Bridget 
Troy Cronin on the podcast, we we talked about access to justice, and I know that down you know at Otago University, um, she's running a course to prepare students for actually um, practicing law. It's more of a, from what I understand, it's a, a practical course, so they better understand what the transition from law school into into practice is like. And I'd imagine for some, a lot of Pacifica students don't have that social capital, like they don't have connections within the profession where they can where that where they can gain insight into how the profession operates and uh, etc um you know and I, and I was really pleased to hear that a course like that exists and maybe that that's sort of an initiative that other law schools can look at um pacific particularly for pacifica students who don't have you know you know they don't have the family family members who are you know, um, senior members of the legal profession, or, or or even just members of the profession, so that so that's a way that they can better understand that. Um, you know, once you know, once you've finished and you graduated, and if you want to pursue a career in law, this is what it looks like. This is what your experience could be. Now, going back to some of the um, recommendations for the profession, I'm focusing more on the on the law society is one of the recommendations was to develop an initiatives that will build these better communications between lawyers and Pacifica, um, uh, including Pacifica protocols and toolkits for lawyers to aid in legal practice. Um, so with, with that, is, is this a, a, a way in which, you know, the Law Society can, can show a commitment to, um, I guess, you know, providing better integration um, and and focusing uh, uh, some of its resources on 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 um, assisting Pacifica um, lawyers to be able to um, I guess you know succeed you know a, as a lawyer. Mm. And definitely, that's that's a big part of that. Um, but also a, a push for for diversity. And cultural competency um, was a, was the the, the underpinning uh, reasons behind the, the the recommendations to to the law society. So it's commitment, and as well as you know, like encouraging them to um, have um, initiatives that would encourage um, you know diversity in the profession and um, having um, professionals that are cultural competent. So one of the things that we um, thought would be very helpful for non-Pacifica is to have like a, develop like a, a, some guidelines uh, around protocols and, and have sessions where the, the um, members of the profession could have um, Talanoa with the members of the community to mm. hear the kind of issues that they have and to, to just to establish some kind of understanding. So the connection that you mentioned earlier is is is, is, is important. But I think, uh, yeah, and of course, the law society can take a real leadership role in that space. I, I mean, it it's it's shown that it, it's capable of of doing that. I mean, if we take for example. Um, the steps that the that the law society has taken uh, in recent times around um, reducing um, the incidence um, of 
you know, a form of discrimination, sexual harassment, for example. Um, uh, there, there's been, you know, the, the Law Society does have its own and so does the New Zealand Bar Association. I mean, the New Zealand Bar Association has a diversity committee um, uh, and the Law Society uh, does as well, is that they could look at, at going, well, um, let's put some effort into and some resources into our, you know, Pacifica members um, so that... Um, the barriers that they face and the challenges that they face aren't so high and that they do feel that they are welcome members within the profession. Mm. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And, and, and one of the things that we also um, saw as an opportunity with um, the Law Society was the fact that, um, that you know, that um, we're not only, um, you know, resourcing um, Pacifica um, lawyers Association or supporting our Pacifica lawyers, but also um, professional development for non-Pacifica lawyers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Because yeah. they are the ones that work um, with Pacifica clients. And, and I think it would be naive to actually assume that um, all Pacifica people would retain or prefer to retain um, Pacifica lawyers. But when we do not actually avail that as a as an opportunity. Um, we are actually taking that away as a choice for Pacifica people, for Pacifica clients. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'm hoping uh, that you know, and this is why I'm very grateful that you've joined me on the podcast. I'm hoping that this will hopefully be at least one, even if it's just a small, although. Without sort of doing too much of a plug, I did notice uh, earlier in the week that the podcast has, has now exceeded 6,000 downloads, and I was, was quite taken back by that. But I'm ho- hoping <laughs> I, I'm hoping this has created, even if it is a small platform, for keeping the, the conversation going, keeping the tanala going, um, towards um, raising awareness and encouraging um, more communication uh, within the profession and the law schools. Um, you know, as we sort of look towards ending the podcast, uh, one of the proverbs that appears in your report and it really resonated with me is, you know, the, uh, an old Tongan proverb, that society is like a map being woven and it continues to be woven. And it's made up of many strands. Um, so, but if we all work together, we can, you know, we can work on on that mat. Um uh, the Law Society is enriched by its uh, Pacifica members um, and uh, I really hope that um, your report will get, um, I guess, more awareness uh, and that that awareness will actually turn into some, you know, some practical steps that help um, uh, overcome many of the challenges that our Pacifica people face. Um, both uh, in the lead up to going to law school, their experience at law school, and then post law school, you know, actually getting a job and and, and being a job that is satisfying uh, to them. I, I want to thank you again, uh, Mili, very much. Um, it's been a, a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, uh, I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> I think I mentioned that to you before, um, but look, it, it's 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 been. Um, really enlightening. So thank you for, for joining me. 
Oh, thank you so much, Grace, for giving us this platform to talk about um, the the report and to create some waves about awareness and, and having discussions and conversations around the issues and um, recommendations um, in the report. We really, really appreciate um, that your time and the invitation and to be here. Thank you. No, my pleasure. And, and look, let's please keep in touch. Um, uh, I'd really like to be able to, to, to connect with you again uh, on my research topic, which is socioeconomic diversity within the legal profession. I, I've got a long way to go with it. There's, there's a, a lot of work to be done, but I, I do see, you know, that intersection sitting in there. Um, it, it, it sits in, in a real proper place and, and it needs um, some light, illumination shine upon it, you know, shined upon it so that um, we, we can help actually work towards a more equitable and uh, fairly diverse profession that properly ref reflects our society and you know, the people we serve as lawyers. Absolutely. And we'll be delighted to um, help out in any way I can. Um, please, you know my... <laughs> I do. I know where to track you down. Actually, I, I think I, I was a bit like that article by uh, uh, Angela Melville. I tell you, I, 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 it took me, and I actually think I'm quite good at tracking people down. It actually, it actually took me a couple of months. Um, but to be fair, she left academia and she, she's gone into, um, uh, into, into a state agency in Australia, into Australia where, where she doesn't want to be found. So, um, <laughs> but, but, but I'll again, as I said, I'll, I'll have her article on the on the reading list as, as well as I might as well throw in a, a few of the the other academic papers and books on diversity and equality and inclusion that um, that I've found really interesting that I've been reading the last few months um, so I'll throw them on there um, look let's keep in touch I do have your number so 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 you will hear from me thank you again thank you Chris have a thank nice you. day thank, thank you so Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Law Down Under podcast. You're welcome to join in on the discussion via my podcast page, which you can access at patterson.co.nz. That's p-a-t-t-e-r-s-o-n dot c-o dot n-z. Thanks for supporting the podcast and tune in again for more on the law, its application and the future of the law here down under.